0: Welcome to Show for Runabash Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith.
1: Let's close our eyes. Jesus, we thank you. For your blood you shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you that your blood speaks a better word than the one of Abel. Thank you for, the, for your body that was broken so that we can be made whole. Lord, thank you that even this evening you are healing your people from allergies, God. From allergies, God. Skin allergies, God. Thank you, Father, Father, That this evening, Lord, you are healing the sight of your people. Thank you, Father, that you can heal your people from wounds in life at the same time as well. Thank you that you are rebuilding every person. Thank you that we can live again with hope because of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. may have communion. May I have your seat? mount offering. Oh, it was an offering. Sorry. Jamie. Because
0: we married. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jamie. Um, so this weekend when I was preparing for the offering, it's my first time doing offering. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> um, and the Lord just started to remind me of when I was in first year and how he had provided for me time and time and time again, from first year to second year to third year to fourth year. Um, And there was a time specifically that I remembered where the Lord had provided for me. I was living in self-catching res in Wulsak. And I remember I had no money to buy, or I didn't have enough money to buy food. And I knew how much money I had in my uh, bank account at that time, and I knew that I didn't have any food at home to eat. So I said to the Lord, okay, the Lord said to me before I came to study that he will always provide for me. So I took my bank card and I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to go buy some food and this card's going to work because you said you're going to provide for me. So I'm going to swipe this card and it's going to work. There was a little bit of fear in me and I was like, is it going to work? Is it gonna? But I was like, no, the Lord said, so I'm going to go. And so I went and I took like the bare minimum, like what I needed to eat. And, and I went to the till and I gave the person... My card, being like, okay, the Lord's gonna find then I start praying in tongues, because now that's gonna make it work. And then the lady swipes the card and it actually goes through. And I was like, really? It went through? And it was, why was I surprised that God the Father would provide for me, his daughter, when I needed it? And so I went home and I checked on my bank account, and I had more money in my bank account than what I needed to pay for the food and what I thought was in my account. Um, And so the Lord led me to the scripture for today. Oh, it's already there. Psalm 24, verse 1 to 2, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. The Lord owns everything. He owns the whole world. Not only is he willing to provide for us, he is able Because he owns a whole earth. In the Passion Translation, it says, God claims the world as his. Everything and everyone belongs to him. God owns the world. So he's more than able and willing to provide for your needs, whatever that need may be, whether it's food today, whether it's feast tomorrow, whether it's to go home for the holidays, God is able to meet all your needs because he is a good father and a good father provides for his children. So as you give your offerings, just bow your heads before me and I'll pray over the offering. Father, thank you that you're a God who provides because you're a good father Thank you, the Father, that you own the whole earth and everything in it, Lord. And thank you that we can trust you prov- to provide for all of our needs, Lord, no matter how big or small it may be, Lord, no matter how um, minute it may be, Lord. Jesus, Thank you that we can trust you because you are our Father and that you take care of us, Lord. And so, Lord, we bless this offering, Lord. Thank you that it will be used to the extension of your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We, we, we honor you and we celebrate you in Jesus' name amen I just can take the offering
1: Oh, praise the Lord. Some people couldn't see me because I'm very dark. <laughs> they could only see my teeth and my eyes. <laughs> I'm a very proud black man. <laughs> Anyways, it's cool. So, my name is not a very proud black man. My name is Matthew. Right, so that you know. My name is Matthew Ntumba. Wow, can someone switch off the project? I don't. I think that light is in my eyes. Uh, great, we're not gonna have this light, so it's gonna be chilled. Welcome to everyone. Wow, so many faces that I haven't seen since the last uh, November. Wow, Chantel, welcome. Oh Edward, welcome, brother. Bongani, uh, Bongani. Welcome. And we feel welcome. Christopher, welcome. Chido. Welcome. Sandile. Welcome. Oh, here's my friend there. I haven't seen him in a while. Welcome, brother. Sizenni, it's you. welcome. Chad, I feel like going to Chad. <laughs> wow, Given. You know that part of the song? What a priceless gift is undeserved life ever been given. <laughs> so <laughs> when I remember that song, it reminds me of him. All right. I'm just going to give a very simple... I'm not a comedian, sorry. If you think, if you think this guy is a comedian, he's not. He's not funny at all. So don't laugh. All right? Don't laugh. Just be serious. All right. Um, thank you, Lord. I'm going to share a very simple message. It's about preparation for revival. Preparation For revival. I think if you think of the way God has designed life, success lies in this principle called preparation. You'll see that from Genesis, before God created anything, God planned it. Before He made Adam, who was going to be the firstborn of the whole creation, he said, let us make man in our image so that he may have dominion. God didn't start preparing after Adam was created. No, everything was prepared before. So preparation plays such a massive role just in the dynamic of life. But the preparation that I'm referring to this afternoon has to do with a revival. Again, revival might sound vague as well. Because for some people, when they say revival, they see a place where everybody is falling from the power of the Holy Spirit. For some other people, when they say revival, they remember Azusa Street, where people spoke in town. There is, in Bible, in the Old Testament, what they call the seven revivals. Things that God did through many prophets. But the one thing that they share in common is many times when they speak about revival, they speak about the move of God. The sovereign act of God. Where God would step into time and fulfill certain things. And I do believe God has a plan corporately, but in every person's life, God also has a plan. So Just as you're sitting right there on your chair, God has a plan as well in your life. There are things that God is about to do. There are things that God has been planning. So the day you were born, you were an embodiment of God's mind to fulfill these particular things. Then there are certain major plans of God that has to take place that we are called to be part of. So now what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give a few scriptures where God was about to move. Where God was about to, to manifest his presence. And we'll look at the way God prepared his people in terms of his movement. Because at the end of the day, my aim and our desire and the desire of the Lord is that when we leave from this place, we will be ready for the move of God. We will learn how it looks like preparing ourselves for the move of God. Imagine if God tells you that Cameron tomorrow at 12 o'clock there will be someone that will be raised from the dead because you'll pray for them. How will your evening look like? And how will your morning look like? Imagine Millicent where you are, God comes and say, "Tomorrow, you're gonna pray for the next person, for the next president of this country in the next ten years. You're gonna meet the person at eleven o'clock. How will your evening look like? And how will your morning look like? How will you prepare yourself? How will that change your mindset?" Let's say God says you're going to meet this person at the waterfront around 11 o'clock. Let's assume you stay in Simon's Town. And maybe the only means of transport you have is the train. It will probably take you an hour to 45 minutes perhaps, or perhaps 45 minutes or 50 minutes or an hour to get to Simon's Town. Meaning, if you do not plan properly even though God said you will meet this person at 11, if at 10.30 you are at someone's town, you know what's going to happen? You're going to miss the person. You're going to miss the person because you didn't prepare. Even though God said there are many people in the Bible that received promises from God and never walked in them fully, not because God Wasn't faithful to his word? No. Because they were not prepared. When John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus, the Pharisees, they rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus. And because of their unbelief, they were not able to see the salvation of Israel. And that had an impact on in terms of the implications of the salvation of the entire nation. Just because some of them are still waiting for the Messiah. There are rabbis that goes to the wall in Jerusalem. They're still praying, God send the Messiah. Because when he came, they couldn't see him. So, the first scripture that I will have us to read, it's in Joshua 3, verse 5. One of the, the books that I, that I believe the Lord gave to me for this year was the book of Joshua, and I'm reading it every day. I try every day to read a chapter, and it's amazing to see what God did with his people. Well, if you don't have a Bible, you can make a plan. You can upload one on your phone. If you have a smartphone. Otherwise, you can talk to me after the service. We can make a plan. I can tell you where you can get a cheaper Bible or perhaps a free Bible. Um, Does everyone have a Bible? Just put your hand if you have a Bible. Don't be shy. If you don't have it, it's not a sin. (laughs) Great. So those who do not have it, we can make a plan. Right? So John 3, or Joshua, sorry. This John, this John. I love John. Great. This, then the scripture says, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant. This is when they were about to step into uh, the the, the, the prob- actually in the promised land, they were, they were facing the, 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 the rivers of Jordan, the Jordan River. Now, the Lord gave an instruction to Joshua and said, well, the priest that's would, that carries the Ark of the Covenant, they will, once they put their feet on the Jordan, a way will be made and they will be able to pass through it. So now, in the preparation, they, they had, the people of Israel had to kind of prepare themselves Towards that, and Joshua is giving them an instruction. He's saying to them, He's saying, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let's read another scripture in Exodus 19. We can actually read uh, verse 10. Exodus 19 The Lord said to Moses Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day for on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people And I will go I will jump quickly to verse 15 and, and he said to the people Be ready for the third day do not go near a woman so, there was this process of consecration where the people, or purification, sanctification, where it had to do with the washing of themselves, and for some of the priests, it meant not necessarily having intimacy with their wives. So, there were some practicalities. But, the main principle here is that God wanted them to be prepared because he was about to do something. The one thing that we we can learn from the consecration practice which was among the Israelites. There was always an action or a move of God that God would initiate. Then the people had to reposition themselves so that their status, their spiritual status would not become an hindrance to miss what he was going to do. So many times God is about to move. But what delays the move of God is how we reposition ourselves. So if you, want, if you will forget everything that I'm going to say, you can remember at least one thing. That God wants you this evening to reposition yourself. Because he's about to move. He's about to do certain things in our midst. Now when you think of the coming of Jesus... Let's go in the book of Luke from chapter 1 verse 15 speaking of John the Baptist. This is the angel that appeared to his father and he was giving him certain instructions concerning John the Baptist. He said, from verse 15 speaking about John, he said for he will be the great he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many, he will turn many, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit on the power of Elijah to turn the heart of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready the Lord, people prepared. The assignment on John, of John the Baptist was, had to do with to make ready the people of God prepared because the Messiah was about to come. Do you know one of the things we have lost in our Christianity today is the urgency about the Lord coming. It's very rare in our messages about the coming of Jesus. If, if you knew that Jesus would come tonight at 9 p.m., how different will this evening, will actually this minute look like to you? We have lost that urgency. And because we've lost that urgency, we are not preparing ourselves. The greatest thing that we have to prepare ourselves is actually the coming of the Lord. When Jesus speaks of his coming, he gives this analogy in Matthew 25 about the ten virgins. He tells the story about these ten virgins and both of them had lamps. And the five calls them the, the wise ones. They, they had their lamps. They also have extra oil. So now, and they had to wait for, for the bridegroom to come. So now, according to the custom back then, Whenever a man would, would marry someone in that particular culture, they would go first to the family of the, of the bride. They would celebrate there and everything. They would have time. And once they'd done, they had to go back to the bridegroom family and sit on a banquet and have time together. But now back then they had lamps. Lamps were basically like torch, which helped them. They had to fill these lamps with oil. So now in that particular culture, they understood that Jesus was saying what, what Jesus was saying. Now, these five, they didn't have enough; they didn't have extra oil because they had to fill to fill, to fill it up many times because the bridegroom they didn't necessarily know when he's going to pitch up. So now, what happened is, when it was at night, at some point while they were sleeping, someone told them that the bridegroom had arrived. So now, what the situation was, the wise one they were still able to have the light because they had fire. They had, they had the oil in their lamps. Now the foolish ones, their oil was finished and they went to ask them if they could, they could borrow. They, couldn't, they suggested, okay, well, you should maybe go and buy. And while, the Bible says, as they went, the bridegroom arrived and the door was closed. And Jesus said, you do not know the time When the bridegroom will come. Let me just actually read what Jesus exactly says as the final line in that particular chapter. In Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And he says, in verse 25 from verse 13, it say, it, the last thing that Jesus says, or maybe from verse 12, but he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. This is Jesus' reply. Uh, this is now the, the bridegroom replying to, to the foolish ones. Then Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. In other words, be prepared. Be prepared. Now being specific, this is the first week on campus in terms of everyone here who's a student. This is orientation week. This was the first week perhaps for you as well. And we do believe that there are things that God wants to do. Do you believe that God has a plan for UCT? Do you believe that? Do you believe? Now the question is, Are you ready? Because we do not want to be like these foolish ones. We do not want to be as this group of people that didn't understand the principle of preparation for the move of God. There are many people that have received promises from God. And many of them struggle to walk in them. Because they do not understand the power of preparation. John, his entire life, if you had to summarize his life, it was about preparing the way. Preparing the way for Jesus. Making his, his, his way, his path straight. Preparing the people. Having the people prepared to encounter Christ. The people that you sit with. In your student residence. Jesus wants to meet up with them. Jesus has a plan for them too. The ways where you've been placed. Jesus has a plan for that place. But Jesus needs John the Baptist. Jesus needs. Jesus is looking for people that will reposition their lives. To make a way. To prepare the way for him to encounter them. That's why I enjoyed the testimony of, of, uh, of Wilbert. That in that moment, he positioned himself as a witness, and somebody else was able to make a commitment to Jesus. We may pray for people to be saved, but unless somebody goes and share the gospel, they're not going to get saved. God in His sovereignty definitely can save them by either appearing to them, but I do believe one of the ways. That God really has put in place. That God often prepares, which is, I believe, the main reason why after getting saved, we don't go straight to heaven, is evangelism. One day I was watching a video about Hitler. And at the very end of the video, there was a statement made at the very end of that video. It was in French. I was going to translate it. It says that there is many evil things in the world Not because there is many evil people. But there is many evil things in the world because there are many good people that are silent. The problem is we have become consumers. All we know to do, we come